right, good evening everyone. Why don't we grab our seats? It's great to connect. The good thing is you can connect again at the end of the service, which is a great thing, eh? It's a great thing. Who's had a great Sunday? Well, okay, it's a little bit depressing, that response. Who's had a good day today? Who's had a good day? Beautiful sunny weather. This time last year we were waiting for a cyclone, weren't we? Probably. Two or three, we just had it. Oh yeah, it's, it's burned in the memory, they remember the days. But hey, how good is it to be in this place? You know, I just, just before I get into my word, I just thought, man, we are so blessed, eh? We are blessed, eh? You know, we, we live in a phenomenal city. We are so. I'm so grateful to be in living in Tauranga. I'm so grateful to be living in this country. Uh, just flick on your news and have a look at the world, and you'll be grateful to be in this place. And how good is God? How good is our God? And how awesome it is that we can come and just worship and praise God. What an awesome thing, eh? There they are. Awesome worship team. Aren't they amazing, eh? I'll be forever grateful for musical people with the ability to sing, because I can't. I'll be forever grateful for you guys. Hey, let's pray and we'll get into the Word. Father God, we want to thank you, God, for your goodness. Lord, your goodness knows no bound. There is no limitation. There is no restriction. There is no cap or ceiling on your goodness. Lord, your mercy cannot be contained. Your grace cannot be limited. Father, it is abundant. It is more than enough for us, Lord God. And Lord, we just come to you tonight. Lord, we open our spirit. We open our heart to you, Father, and we say, speak in, Lord God. Speak in, Jesus. God, we're not interested in another night of just listening to someone talk. We want to hear your spirit, Lord. I pray that you take these words that I've prepared, and I pray that they would touch hearts and touch lives tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, this week was a great week, an amazing week. Uh, it began incredibly. Super Bowl Monday. Oh, it's good. Anyone watch the Super Bowl? A couple of people did. Well, just for those of you who didn't, it's okay. Because we're going to watch the whole game. No, no. For the next four and a half hours, we're going to watch the whole... No, we're not going to. But we're, what I am going to do, I'm actually going to show you a little bit of the game, just for those who didn't see it. Because I feel like some of us need to be educated in NFL and need to understand that this is, this is a great sport. But just to set the scene before we begin the video, this is the final play of the Super Bowl. This is overtime. The game, the game was tied at the end of regulation. They went overtime. And, a, and all that was required is a touchdown, and they win the Super Bowl. Okay, the team that's got the ball at Kansas City, that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team. Yeah, now you're like, oh, that team. Yeah, thank you, Taylor Swift. Yeah. But if we could chuck the video up, we're going to watch out a little bit of it here. I can only feel the number of people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they win it by three on this touchdown throw to Nicole Hartman, who started the season as a Jet. There it is. What a great play. I can tell you're all just so grateful for that moment. It's okay. You're welcome. Uh, but that was the final play to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, just a little bit about them. That's their third Super Bowl victory in five years. They'd been in the last, they'd been four of the last five Super Bowls they'd been in the games, and they've won the last two in a row. 
and they've, they have become the team that everyone is chasing. They are like a bit of a dynasty team. Now, any NFL fans, we could go on a massive tangent right now, but I'm going to pull it back in, and we're going to talk about God and what He's going to speak to us. We're going to use that, okay? God speaks through sport too. Yes, it's a miracle. This is just one example of a victory won. There are so, so many more, not only in the sporting arenas, not only in the, you know, in the Oscars and the Emmys, not only in those arenas, but there's victories being won all the time. And we celebrate the big ones because they're worth celebrating, you know, and I think, I think there's something in our human nature that we actually want to celebrate victories. We want to celebrate the wins, eh? And I actually think it's important that we do. Because it's too easy to think like, oh, yeah, no, it's just a stepping stone, just a stepping stone to get to something that you may never get to. So we've got to celebrate the wins. We've got to to be grateful every day for what God has blessed us with today, the the victory you've won today. Celebrate that. Celebrate the wins. But the question is, does God want us to be victorious? Yes. Does God want you and I to live victoriously? Is there a victory that God intends for each of us to achieve? Or are we just in this for participation? Now, let me take this a little step further because we all agree with that. But are you referring to, yeah, we're all going to get to heaven. But I actually want to take it a little step further because I actually think God has more for you than just getting into heaven. That's a great victory, but I believe God has assignment and purpose here and now for us. When we become Christians, we invite Jesus to be Lord of our life. We accept his grace and the forgiveness of our sins. Do we then become participants in life, waiting to receive our prize entry into heaven? Do we have a purpose, a race to run as Christians in this life? Well, as you've heard before, I think there's a number of us here will agree that our understanding of the Bible tells us that each of us has a race to run. And there are victories to be won. You may be sitting here today, and you're actually in the middle of a battle. God wants to say there's a victory to be won. There's victories to be won. Scripture speaks to us of the race we're each running. There's not enough time to go through all the scriptures, but let's just say that running the race is a common theme. That when it comes to talking about our Christian life or the journey of life, the race is often an analogy used. And I'm going to look at one piece of scripture tonight, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. It's going to be up on the screen for, for most of it, but I want to read you this passage to start. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that, I, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to talk about the race all Christians are competing in. Is that okay? I want to talk about the race. I want to talk about what it means to win. I want to talk about what it takes to win. So I'm not going to go into lots of details on this because for each of us individually, your race is going to look completely different. Everyone has got a lane to run. Your race is your race to run. You know, don't, don't follow Alan because that's his race. You know, don't follow Kelly. That's his race. You know, we've got to find our, our, our path, our track, the course that God has called us to run. 
So the first thing we need to understand is that we're all in a race. Many of us are like, yep, yep, I know we're in a race. But maybe just as a reminder tonight, you're in a race. You're in a race. Paul, who's the writer of this passage, he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he says these words, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, Paul's writing to an audience who understood the race. Corinth was in Greece. And if you know anything about Greece, you'll know that that's where the Olympics originated. But not only did the Olympics originate there, another games was held called the Isthmian, Isthmian Games. I think that's how you say it. Isthmian, however you say it. Isthmian Games, let's call it that. Where athletes from all over Greece came to compete in a range of athletic endeavours. It was hosted every two years on the alternate years to the Olympics. The winners were crowned with a wreath made of celery. which just made it all worth it. And they would take some peanut butter and they would dip that celery in and it was just life-changing. No, I just of all things, celery. When the Romans came along, they changed it to a pine wreath, which sounds really uncomfortable. But anyway, that was what they were competing for, this wreath. But it wasn't actually about the wreath. It was the glory, it was the honor, it was the accolades that came with it. These athletes were lifted up onto high pedestals. They were treated like royalty. You know, they would be able to eat free in all the restaurants. They, the, the towns that they were from would claim them as their own because they were the winner. They were stronger. They were faster. They were better. And you know what? When I stop and think about it, we still do the same thing today. Eh? In lots of different spheres. We love to elevate those who succeed. And, and in some ways, it's kind of like, yeah, we want to acknowledge, hey, that was, you ran really fast, Usain Bolt. That was really fast. You know, or Valerie Adams, you threw that put really far. And we celebrate it. We acknowledge it. But it would be wrong to interpret what Paul is implying to mean that there is only one winner for the Christian. It's interesting his language, isn't it? He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? I wrestled with this, with this passage for a really long time because I was thinking, does that mean I'm competing against other Christians? You know, you're my opposition. I'm going to outrun you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to, you know, it's... You could almost mis- you could misunderstood the language. But then when you actually begin to unpack it, Paul isn't talking about that. He isn't, this isn't a competition between us. Your competition is between you and yourself. The one that you are wrestling with is yourself. Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 1, verse 9 to 10, he has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and the light came on and he was illuminated. Is that you, Lord? That was a really bright light just came on there. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time and it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What he is saying is that each of us have a race to run and a victory to achieve, a purpose and assignment given by God. I remember when we first moved up here, Ellen and I were out playing some golf, and I remember you used that language of assignment and purpose, and it was so good because I was like, that's a really good focus, that it's not just about, I've got to hear the call of God, but actually there's a purpose for this season. There's an assignment for this week. There's There's an assignment for tomorrow for you. If we could hear God's voice, we would hear that he's got constant assignments for us. 
So the thing is, is that there are times where we get close to him and we hear and he reveals something. We're like, oh, thank you, God. I know what I'm going to do. But we've got to understand is that God wants to do that every day. That there are assignments that are going to come across our path that God's like, you're there to achieve this. I put you in that place to achieve that, whatever that is. Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, therefore, since we, oh, there we go. <laughs> hey, it was too bright. I was too light. It's all good. You, can, you know I'm here. That's actually great. I can now see you. Nope. Go on. Here we go again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We each have a race to run. I love that language, throw off everything that hinders. Have you ever seen a marathon runner running with a tramping pack? No. An Olympic marathon runner will not do that. They literally wear the bare minimum that you have to wear. Like, have you seen those tiny shorts? I did running. I've run in those shorts. It is. That's why I don't compete competitively anymore. No. Just because of those shorts. No. But the thing... <laughs> Bad point. Yeah, that's right. Okay, this is like, yeah, is that eliminating me? But every single one of us, you've got baggage and stuff that's hindering you that you've got to get rid of. Rocks in your pack that you need to get rid of. And you know what the devil's really good at? He's good at loading you up. And he's good at bringing doubt and discouragement and uh, anxiety and depression and all this stuff. And he just loads us up so that we feel like, I can't do this. And, you're right. and you know what? You're right. You can't because you're not meant to carry that. That's why I love the language that is used in Hebrews here. He says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, it's interesting the language. He's saying to you, you throw it off. He's saying, take responsibility for your actions and throw that stuff off. Take, take action in your own life to push those things away. Make conscious decisions not to go on those environments that you know aren't going to be good for you. So there's a responsibility that is in this passage that we need to grab a hold of. And that's and my second point that I want to talk about is what it means to win. Again, he says in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And then he says these amazing words, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Don't you love that? So here's the question to ask, what crown are you pursuing? What's the crown you're chasing after? Because there's a lot of really good looking crowns. And there's a lot of crowns that will get you accolades and recognition and praise from man and people. In fact, you can climb all the way up the tree and, be, and win a lot of money and earn a lot of prestige through winning and achieving and being victorious. But is that going to last? I remember watching, if you've ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire, anyone seen that? There was a character in this, in this movie who's competing against Eric Liddell. And in the end, Eric Liddell has, decides to go and compete in another event that he, because it's on a Sunday, he goes and competes in another event. And this guy wins the event, and then he goes into depression. They kind of paint the picture briefly, but he actually read about his life. This guy suffered with depression after the race because he had achieved it. And he's like, what do I do now? How amazing to think that he'd been so focused on, a, on winning a victory that when he won it, he was like, I don't know what to do now. I just think as Christians, praise God, there's always something to do. There's always more to do. If you don't have anything, just come and ask Victor. I'm sure he'll give you something. 
But you know what? One of the things, one of the voices that we have to compete with is the voice that we get from our world, our society, and our culture, who tells us what winning looks like. In 1996, the Olympics, one of the uh, sports shoe brands ran this advertisement, and this was their tagline: "You do not win the silver medal, you lose the gold." I know. <laughs> That's harsh, eh? Legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, another American football team, Vince Lombardi. He tried to instill this winning attitude in his football players when he said, winning is not everything, it's the only thing. Unlike the modern Olympics, where gold, silver, and bronze medals were awarded to the first three places, respectively, in the ancient games, only the winner received the crown. There was no second place award. Winning was everything. There's an epitaph of a bo- to a boxer named Agath- Agathos Daemon. He was from Alexandria, And he went to Olympia to compete in the Olympic Games in Greece. And there's this plaque to him. And it says this, Here he died boxing in the stadium, having prayed to Zeus for a wreath or death. At 35, farewell. Wow, what what a life. But for this competitor, second place was no option. He went for the gold and he died trying to win it. He actually died in a... And boxing, they're, they're, yeah, we praise God that we have a lot more rules around our, our sports. But if we listen to this world and what it says winning is, we will hear all kinds of things. Things like being wealthy with money and possessions more than others, then yeah, that's your winning. You're winning then. Fame and recognition, regardless of what you've done to get it, it doesn't matter. Fame and recognition, you're winning. Position and power over others. Again, regardless of what you've done to get it, you're winning. Achieving awards and accolades for what we have done, you must be winning. And it's so easy to allow those things to become more important than God's voice. Because those voices are immediate and they're louder and you can look at a person telling it to you. Whereas to hear the voice of God, we've actually got to block it out and listen to his voice. These all sound so appealing, but they are all accolades and glory only this world can bestow. Paul calls us to pursue a higher eternal prize that comes from God in heaven. Calls every single one of us in this room to pursue that prize. Paul challenges the culture of pursuing glory in the sight of man. He encourages the Corinthians to chase after a crown that will last forever. Can I encourage you tonight? Chase the right crown. Make sure you're running after the right crown. Take stock of it. Actually legitimately ask yourself the question, what am I chasing? What am I pursuing? And it's not to beat yourself up. It's not to make you feel bad. It's just to make sure you're running the right race. Make sure you're in the right lane. Make sure you're pursuing the right thing. And and can I just say this too, that fame, recognition, uh, wealth, possessions, they're not the the enemy. It's the pursuit and the love of them that is the enemy. That's where the, the devil's great at pulling us and distracting. I mean, how many men of God have been distracted away from the call of God because they got stuff, they got fame, they got glory. But then how inspiring it is to see those who held on to the word of God. They chase God in their lane and they won the accolades and they give God glory. It's one of the coolest things I love when I, I watch a lot of sport. Just putting it out there, I watch a lot of sport, too much sport. My wife can attest to this. It's borderline an addiction, but it's okay. God is good. His grace is sufficient. <laughs> His mercies are new every morning. <laughs> 
and I will use that mercy. No, no, not really. But I, I, love, I love watching sport, love watching the different sports that are out there, and I love seeing Christian athletes and the way they handle victory. There's nothing more incredible than seeing a person that is elevated in this world treated as like, like the top of their game, saying, all glory to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, come on. I'm going to celebrate with that guy now. That's an awesome thing. The third thing is what it takes to win. Verse 25, again, it says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Jump down to verse 26. Paul is writing, he says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul speaks of an athlete in strict training, disciplining themselves to achieve sporting success. Any athlete who achieves in their chosen sport does so because they have trained daily for months and years to achieve that goal. If you've ever spoken to a top athlete or you've ever been around one, you will see the price that has to be paid. Training seven days a week, your diet completely dedicated to your sport, your sleep patterns literally, religiously followed. They literally for years and years and years preparing for that one moment. And you think for the Olympic Games 100 meter sprint, 10 seconds. Training for four years for 10 seconds. But the incredible discipline and the amazing ability to focus and say, I'm going after this. There's something to be inspired about that. There's something for us to take a hold of there. Any athlete who achieves, there's something to be celebrated. The simple truth is, though, we all need discipline and perseverance to walk out the call of God on our lives. There is a price to be paid to achieve great things. So do not underestimate your daily times of prayer and reading God's word. Do not underestimate the times where you're speaking in tongues in your room. Do not underestimate the time where you withdraw from others to just seek the word of God, to seek his presence, to just take a moment out of your day to seek the Lord because what you're doing is that you are growing and developing spiritual muscle. You are building spiritual muscle. You may not notice the change. You may not feel like anything's changing, changing. But when you are faced with challenge or an obstacle to overcome, the strength you have de developed will come through. And that's the thing with these athletes is that these years and years of training, it's not until they are put into that moment of pressure, that moment of endurance, that moment of perseverance, where suddenly it's who, who's got what it takes? Who's actually going to go that much faster? Who's actually going to go that much further? I've read Bible passages that seemed ordinary at the time. Many times in my life I've done this. I've read these passages and it's just felt like ordinary Word of God passages. And then I've sometime, uh, some, a period of time passes and I've realized that God was speaking to me about something that was coming ahead of me. And I was getting the Word of God in and I didn't even realize it. So that when the battle came, I had the Word of God with me. So you can't underestimate it. You can't always be looking for a mountaintop experience in the Word of God every morning. Sometimes you're just, you're just lifting weights. Sometimes you're just out there pounding the pavement. Sometimes you're out there just eating the right stuff, getting the right things in you. Because one day when the, when the battle comes, when the, the victory is right before you, you're going to know, I've got what it takes to get this. We need to build that stuff. I love the, I love the language that Paul uses. I strike a blow to my body. 
What is he saying there? He's saying, body, you're not deciding the call of God on my life. You are not going to tell me whether I'm going to do what God's called me to do. How amazing is that? Like how, what crazy language that is. I beat my body and make it my slave. Powerful stuff. He isn't waiting for someone to discipline him and persevere for him. He does it to himself. Perseverance is a muscle that needs to be developed. Just like a marathon runner trains to last the marathon distance, we also need to train ourselves to persevere as we pursue God's purpose and assignment for our lives. We've got to build perseverance. So actually that, that victory you've overcome, that, that, uh, that moment of re- where you resisted the temptation or you resisted the lust or you, you stood your ground and said, no, I'm not falling for that thing. I'm not going down that road, which I know isn't right for me. You're actually building strength. You're actually developing strength within you. I think we underestimate those moments, but I actually think those are the moments where we're really building strength. Those are the moments that are really developing us. And you know what? They are the unseen untalked about, unheard moments. Just like, you know, I remember Tiger Woods saying this. He said when, they, when he won his first, uh, first time he won his, his tournament, they, they asked him about it, like, you know, what did it feel like winning this? He was like, yeah, it feels really good. But then he went on to say this, that, but I've already won this because I won it on the putting green. Practicing for hours and hours and hours before I came to this, I won it there before I won it here. And you've got to realize that that's how they win is they practice and they practice and they practice and they get so good that when they come to their moment, they're ready to go. I know this part. I know how to make this play. I know how to handle the situation. I know what to do with that person because God has prepared us. Even Jesus modeled amazing perseverance and discipline in going to the cross. Luke 22 verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, Sorry, Father, let me rephrase it. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. This is this picture of Jesus wrestling with the very purpose he came to earth. He is wrestling with the knowledge that he's about to be crucified, nailed to a cross. He's about to have all of sin placed upon him. He's about to have his father withdraw from him, and he realizes it's coming. And he's sitting there saying, God, if there's another way, but not my will be done yours. I mean, can you imagine that moment? Can you, can you fathom what that would be like to know what you're about to enter into and that's going to be unbelievably painful and yet to say, this is what God's called me to do. This is what God's placed me here to do. Jesus was focused on the purpose for which he had come. Paul, as he writes in Corinthians, was focused. He was not running aimlessly. He had a purpose and a goal he was running after. His goal was to preach God's word and win people to Christ. This comes after, if you read the whole of 1 Corinthians 9, he just talks about how he becomes all things to all people to win them to Christ. And I love that because it means that he goes along to the sporting events to win people to Christ. He goes along to political rallies to win people to Christ. He goes into the business sector to win people to Christ. He goes into every situation he can to win people to Christ. I love that because it paints a picture of that where you are, God wants to reach people. What you're doing, God wants to be in that and moving through that. Don't underestimate what your hand is is being put to right now. You may be be doing the most menial tasks. You may be working, flipping burgers at McDonald's, but don't underestimate that because God might be developing something in you that you cannot see right now. And your faithfulness here 
will be what God uses to elevate you up here. One thing I've learned about God is that when He's ready, He'll elevate you real quick. When His timing's right, He will move fast. In our minds, we're like, oh, this could never happen. But God's like, if you'll trust me, let me handle it. I'm in one of those moments right now. Trust God. It's going to be okay. Trust God. It's going to be okay. I'm reminding myself that I'm standing on the rock. That is Jesus Christ. And this rock isn't a little rock. It's so big, so vast, nothing's going to move it. I'm standing on it. My feet are planted on it. So whatever comes against me is not going to move me. But I have to remind myself. And I realize in this moment, you know, this is where all those years of like talking about it and preaching about it becomes a reality. And you've got to walk out what you preach. And so I'm standing here in the midst of my moment preaching this message, knowing I'm facing some stuff that's a little bit challenging. But I'm trusting God. I'm trusting that He's got me. And I'm trusting for you that God's got you. It's interesting. Sorry. I might actually drink water. I just said how I never drink water when I speak. And this is like the first time. Amazing. I'm just getting a bit dehydrated from all this persevering and this, this training that I've been doing. Sorry, bear with me. I'm just going to have a quick drink and then we'll get back. <laughs> Hopefully that's sorted out. Yep, there we go. Paul, at the end of this passage, he says these amazing words. He, he strikes a blow to his body. He makes it his slave so that after he's preached he himself will not be disqualified. I just want to land this message on that this morning, this evening. He is motivated that he will not be disqualified. In the Olympics in Barcelona in 1992, Linford Christie, anyone remember that name? Linford Christie, 100-meter sprinter. He won the gold medal in the 100 meters. The very next Olympic, game, he went to, Olympic Games, he went into, went into that as the, obviously the reigning Olympic champion. His very first qualifying event, he was disqualified for two false starts. Basically, that means where you go before the gun. Four years of training, gone, disqualified. Can you imagine the disappointment to know that you trained for this for four years and then literally the space of two, you know, probably a minute, two minutes, it's over. I actually think some of us can imagine that. Because I think that there's some of us here that feel well, you're disqualified from God's call on your life. I feel like there's some of us sitting in this place and you feel that actually, nah, I mucked it up. I got it wrong. Yeah, I did what I shouldn't have done. And so you've put a DQ, disqualified, next to your name. I am here tonight to tell you that God didn't put that there. So you need to take it away. God's not disqualifying you. Jesus is not disqualifying you. You've got to realize this, that he died on the cross for your sin before you were born. Put, get that in your mindset. 2,000 years ago, he's hanging on the cross for all mankind's sin. Before you even were born to sin, he paid the price already. And you know what? He knows you're going to sin. I was just reading Matthew 24. 25, 26, somewhere around there. The Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is with his disciples. And they're praying and his disciples fall asleep. And he goes back to them and says, can't you, can't you stay awake with me for just a few moments? He does it three times. Three times they let him down. Does Jesus then say, that's it, you guys are out. I'm going for some new disciples. 
Incredibly, he says, you guys are still going to change the world. Even though you couldn't do this simple thing I asked you to do, even though you couldn't stay up with me, even though Jesus is over there sweating blood for what he's about to do and now having a sleep, even though Jesus must have been disappointed, there's something inside him that just says you're still not disqualified. And I think some of us here tonight need to hear that, that you're not disqualified, that the DQ next to your name, you need to get rid of that, that, yeah, you may have mucked up. Welcome to the human race. Yeah, you may have got it wrong. We all get it wrong. I'm sorry, you're not Jesus. You know, you're not the Holy Spirit. You know, you're not God. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. And you know what? Jesus' grace is sufficient. That his mercies are new every morning. So every day when you wake up, you might need to literally speak into that disqualification voice and tell it to be quiet. Like I actually legitimately think the devil's got a really good one over the church with this one. So many Christians who've disqualified themselves because they made a mistake. They got it wrong and then have decided, okay, it's just about getting to heaven. And God's like, no, I've still got an assignment for you. I've still got a purpose. I've still got a reason you're here. I've got people that I want to reach through you. In fact, God's not only just motivated by that, he's motivated by you. He wants you to know the fullness of life. Jesus didn't say, I've come to give you half life. I've come to give you just a little taste of it, and then you'll be really wanting it in heaven. He says, I want you to know the fullness. In this life, he wants us to know that. So I think that that DQ that you've kind of placed next to your life needs to get, it needs to get scrubbed. We need, to, we need to get rid of that. The other group of people is the ones who've put withdrawn next to their name. Withdrew not withdrawn means it means where you make a decision to say, oh, no, I can't do this. God got the wrong person. And you withdraw yourself. There's literally people within, you go through the Olympic Games and you'll see a number of people with WD next to their name, withdrawn. And it could be an injury. It could be sickness. It could be lots of reasons, but God does not put the WD there. And you know what the cool thing about it is, is that you may get a DQ one Olympic Games, you can still come back the next one. You might get disqualified. You might muck it up. You might get it wrong, but there's still another chance. There's always going to be another opportunity. That is, that is my understanding of what the Scripture tells me about my God. He is not a God of one strike and you're out. He's not a God of three strikes and you're out. He's a God of grace. He's a God who grabs us by the arm and picks us up again and says, let's go again. Let's have another crack at this. Sometimes it can be the smallest thing that will cause us to be disqualified. Recently, I've got a perfect example that happened two days ago. There's a PGA tournament being playing in America right now, and there was one of the guys who was contending for it. He was right up there on the leaderboard, and he signed for the incorrect scorecard. He had the wrong numbers. Jordan Spieth, don't know if you heard about that, Kelly. He signed the wrong card and got disqualified. Like Literally, this is his living, and he didn't... What that means is basically he wrote the wrong number down on a hole. And he signed the card. And the rules stipulate if you do that, you're disqualified. Such a small thing like that. That got him disqualified. And for some of us, I think actually it's always, it's more often than not a small thing that gets us disqualified. It's a small decision. It's a, it's a moment of weakness. It's a little thing. So don't always expect it to be this big, confronting, overwhelming thing that's going to come and try and take you out. Sometimes it's the small, sneaky voice that comes in and says, nah, you don't need to go. 
Oh, no, it's okay if you do this. It's okay. Now, you, you, you can go there. You're strong enough. You know, all of those kind of subtle voices that the enemy uses. And I just want to encourage us tonight. Encourage you in that you might be feeling disqualified, but God's not disqualifying you. You might be feeling withdrawn, but God's not withdrawn you. You're living, you're breathing. There's air in your lungs. Your legs have walked, worked enough for you to walk into this place. God's not finished with you yet. Even if your legs weren't working, He still wouldn't be finished with you. If there's air in your lungs, God has got a plan. He's got a purpose. I wonder if we could stand together and we're just going to pray as we come to an end. And then the worship team is going to lead us into some anointing worship as they do. But as they do, I'm going to open the altar tonight and I'm going to invite you to come forward because I know for some of us, you actually need to come forward and you need to come forward for prayer because actually there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of weight of feeling, yeah, I got it wrong. And you need to come forward and have someone come and lay hands on you and we're going to believe for the power of the Holy Spirit to break that stuff off you. We're going to challenge those voices with the Word of God. We're going to come against it with the name of Jesus Christ. And for some of us here tonight, I don't want you to walk out of this place still thinking you're disqualified or you're withdrawn. I want us to leave this place knowing I'm qualified. God's with me. I've got an assignment. I've got a purpose. That your race is worth running. Never underestimate the race you're running. I think one day we're going to get to heaven and be shocked with the impact on the things that we never saw because of the race that we're running right now. Because of the godly decisions that we're making today, the faithfulness we're showing today and the impact that's going to have on people. So we're going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you want to come and respond, and we've got a team that will come and pray with you. We're going to lay hands and we're going to believe God to, to set some people free. Because I, I, I really don't want to be a part of a church where that's full of DQs. You know? I want to be a part of the church where, where we are celebrating victories. Where we come in on a Sunday morning and, and we can't wait to tell them, hey, I, I won in this. Hey, I overcame that. Hey, man, I, and we celebrate. And we all celebrate, eh? We don't get like, oh man, that's so annoying. We say, that is amazing. Praise God, because if you get it, then I know I can get it. So let's close our eyes and pray right now. Father, we just want to welcome you, Holy Spirit, afresh again into this moment right now. God, I recognize that tonight, God, it can be so easy to, to hear your word, to allow it into our ears and into our, into our mind, but Lord God, not allow it to move to our heart not allow it to move to our spirit. But Father God, I thank you that your word is powerful and effective and it will not achieve, it will not return void. And so Father God, I pray tonight for every person here that has heard this word, Lord God, and has maybe been challenged. Maybe something's been stirred up. Maybe God, you've placed your finger on an area in their life and God, you are saying, hey, you've got a race to run. There is an assignment. There is a purpose for you. Maybe some of us here tonight, you need to be reminded, actually, you, you need to discipline yourself. What that means is you need to be able to take responsibility for your actions, make good decisions, make those good choices to position yourself for the future that you know God's calling you into. And in particular, I pray for all those who feel disqualified, all those who feel withdrawn, who feel like, the race has gone on ahead of them and they've missed it. 
God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. I thank you that you leave, you leave no you leave no sheep behind. You leave the 99 to find the one. And maybe tonight, God, you are reaching out to find those ones to say, come back in. Come back onto the come back onto the, the lane that you're running. Come back into this purpose. Come back into the, the fullness of God's love and his grace for you. I do feel, I get the sense that there are some people you've you've been dis, you're disqualifying yourself for a really long time. I can see people who've done stuff in their youth, and you're now maybe not in your youth, you're maybe a bit older than that. And you 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 trace it back to that a moment in your youth where you disqualified yourself. You made a mistake. Maybe you missed an opportunity, maybe you didn't things didn't you didn't quite do what was whatever it is. Only you know what that is. But the overwhelming sense I get is of a loving God reaching out His hand saying, hey, come take my hand. A loving Father calling you forward and saying, come back to me. Come back. Come back. It's time to race again. It's time to get back into that race. It's going to look a little bit different. But say, God's saying, come back. There is still an assignment. There is still purpose. There is still a path ahead that God has for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want, as the team is just going to lead us in the song, I want to invite you to come forward. And I want to ask you to step out of your seat. Because the reality is, is that when you sign up for a race, you've actually got to move. You've actually got to intentionally write your name down and say, I'm entering this race. And some of us tonight, you've actually got to get out of your seat and come forward. I know it's, it's, a, it's a physical action to kind of confirm a spiritual change that's going on. So why don't we just respond if you feel, if you want to come forward, we've got a team that would love to pray with you tonight. And we're just going to worship for a little bit and I'll be up in a few moments.